Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, where we take a look back at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is 1969's best host, Palmer. How are you today? I'm doing good. You're doing good? I am. Fun fact about that year, I only got nominated because of Paul Newman. Uh, Much like one movie in this list, spoiler. I don't think that's necessarily true, though I am not going to argue with you either. (laughs) What movie that is, we'll find out. If you're just joining us for the first time, this is the show in which Paul and I are taking a look at Best Picture Oscar nominees going back decades to see if the films still hold up by today's standards if they if the best picture really was the best picture of that year this is all opinion based and yes. does not reflect <laughs> does not reflect the opinions of other americans or members of the world for that matter and we're only counting the movies that got nominated we're not counting any movies that could have got nominated cuz this year you had 2001 a space odyssey planet of the apes and the producers that was all night with well, those all came out in 1968 or 69? 68. Wow, really? Yeah. Well, Planet of the Apes, I can, and produce, and producers to an extent, I can see why they weren't nominated, because comedies rarely are you couldn't have three Because you couldn't have three musicals in a year? Uh, oh, that's right. The original was not a, no, was it wasn't. Not a no, musical. It, no, it was not. Um, I was thinking comedies rarely get nominated, um, unless it's a musical. Yeah. Um, and... Um, science fiction, Planet of the Apes, and 2001 A Space Odyssey are especially also rarely nominated. Right. So um, so I can I can see why those wouldn't be. I'm not a huge fan of 2001 A Space Odyssey, personally. I don't think anybody really is. Um, I, I think some people are, but I think if you came to it maybe at a young age or at a time when nothing else like that really existed, mm. um, but I find it kind of meandering now. I am, however, a huge fan of Planet of the Apes, so that's best picture. (laughs) I mean, it's not. And show's done. It's definitely not best picture, but if I had to. (laughs) Um, So that's uh, so that's the show. So what's going to get we're going to get started here. Um, 1969 best picture. Um, I know what one best picture. Do you know what one best picture? I do not know a one best picture. Palmer normally doesn't know, but I'm going to tell everybody right now. Uh, So the the films this year were Funny Girl. Mm hmm. Romeo and Juliet, Oliver, exclamation point, Rachel, Rachel, and The Lion in Winter. That's actually Rachel, Rachel, comma, Rachel. Rachel, comma, Rachel, you are correct. Um, so do you want to take a, a guess, not based on your own opinion, but right. just generally based on how the Academy thinks? What do you think, One Best Picture? Based on how the Academy thinks, I would probably... In 1969. <laughs> yeah. I would probably have to say funny girl you'd be incorrect it's oliver okay oliver won best picture in 1969 okay okay so this is the order we're going to do the films in funny girl romeo and juliet rachel rachel the lion in winter and then oliver oliver we'll do best picture last okay all right so let's start with funny girl yes what do you think the story of funny girl is uh, it's about a girl who's funny and she meets this guy 
and she falls in love, and they live happily ever after. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, cute. So Funny Girls uh, starts this, this girl named Fanny, played by Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, that's what I didn't do this time. I'm dumb. Probably. You know, normally I normally I, I write in my little I write in my little notebook like who directed it and right. you know, for whatever reason. And you just listed Barbara Streisand over and over again. Whatever reason, I just listed Barbara over and over and over again. E- even in the movies she wasn't in. For for whatever dumb reason I didn't do that with Funny Girl. So <laughs> I have to I have to pull that up for a second. Excuse me. Excuse me. Right. I ain't going. So Funny Girl is about this character, I got it. I'm, I'm already there. Oh, it, didn't take me, it didn't take me long. Directed by William Wyler, uh, written by Isabel Lenart, um, based on the original story and played by Miss Lenart, um, starring Barbara Streisand and Omar Sharif. Yep, and music by Jules Stein and cinematography by harry stradling and i could keep going do i usually do all this i don't know i don't think so production design by gene callahan i could do them all now that's <laughs> sitting in front of me that's what i normally write down i write right. down all that stuff and i didn't for funny girl so dumb yeah anyway so it's about this girl named fanny and she has this dream of being a um a ziegfeld girl yes a ziegfeld like, folly yes indeed um so she goes but the, she is at the time not the she is the atypical, like, Barbara Streisand is a beautiful woman. Yes. Like, hands down. But she feels that she has a big nose, which I think is based, Barbara Streisand based her entire look all around her, in and around right. her nose. She has a very distinctive profile. She has a distinctive profile. And so the film is about her becoming a Ziegfeld Folly, but then also, like, how does she, she is not like the other girls, and how she, like... She's a she's also a, like a comedian and how she uses humor as kind of a defense mechanism. And so people are not laughing at her. They are laughing with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's this musical about her about her adult life, really, you know, like her, you know, you know, doughy eyed. This is how the world is following all the way into this is how the world is. Right. Um, yeah. It's I've never I had not seen it before. You know, no, neither. Have I. I've actually. um I've only seen one movie on this list before, and that was Romeo and Juliet. You had not seen any of these movies? Uh, that is correct. Oh, I've seen... Well, I'd only seen two of them. I had seen Romeo and Juliet and Oliver. I mean, yeah, I mean, Romeo and Juliet you saw in school because it was the only... For the most part, when we were growing up, it was the only one yep. that you could see in school because the Leonardo DiCaprio one was just coming out at the time. Did I ever tell you my story about Romeo and Juliet in school? No. Actually, we'll talk about it now so I don't forget later. So we watched this one in my class freshman year, Mm -hmm. as everyone does when they do Romeo and Juliet. And my teacher, um, so there's there's nudity from Romeo and Juliet in this film. So it's Romeo's Romeo's back and Juliet's front. (laughs) Um, And so... So she tells us there's going to be nudity beforehand. Right. We're 14 years old. Yeah, tells us there's going to be nudity beforehand. She watch. She lets Romeo get out of bed, mm-hmm. and we watch the whole scene with his butt. And just about when Juliet's about to freak out and jump out of bed, right. that's when she fast forwards. And everybody in the class was like. This seems a gross misconduct of your power, considering like we just watched male nudity, but now you're fast forwarding through the and female the one. Is, like equal and rights. The fact is, like people you blink and you miss her nudity, but his it lingers. Right, right. Like he's looking out a make believe window. Also, 
Oh, one, he's fucking out of make believe window. <laughs> but two, um, like there's no dialogue during that scene. Yeah, it's, no, it's just he's literally just yeah. Romeo staring out the window, and you're looking at his butt, looking yeah, out the window. Whereas, whereas, like her movement is part of the scene yeah. with dialogue, and so it just like you just wanted to see Romeo's butt. Yeah, like it there's was weird. A, uh, it was, I'll never forget it. There's a uh, comedy called National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon, sure, uh, which was a take on like the buddy cop movies, mm-hmm. and there's a scene with Emilio Estevez, uh, and it takes. It's the lethal weapon scene after they have sex in the in his um, camper, and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna go Ooh. for my nightly Danny butt Glover in the and Mel Gibson." Walk. Yes. Oh, okay. He's like, "I'm gonna go for my my nightly butt <laughs> naked butt in the moonlight walk," <laughs> uh, and that it reminded me of it. All right, so back to Funny Girl. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we have this character who Fanny. seems very driven at the beginning. Yeah. Like, she wants to be a Ziegfeld Folly girl. Mm-hmm. She wants to be on stage. Oh, God, she's going to be a Ziegfeld Folly girl. What? Yeah. It's no good for you. Um, And she becomes one. Yeah. And she works really hard to do it. Like, sure. she even goes against Mr. Ziegfeld, who's like, we're- Mr. We're Ziegfeld? Do- yeah. Mr. Ziegfeld. We're doing this- we're doing this number where you're going to be the prettiest bride in the world, the most beautiful mm-hmm. bride in the world. And she's like, but I'm not. Even though the people that they kind of surround her with, I don't think look as good as Barbara Streisand. No, Barbara looks great. Like, Barbara is you get, it's, but it's at that beautiful. Time, it's like of that point of like, she's not like the other ones, but right. she's still beautiful. But yeah. it also seems to me like they kind of went out of their way to also not find people. Oh, I don't think, I think those other girls were also beautiful. Like, See, those, I, didn't, yeah. I don't think so. Um, so she she gets the part and she finds a way to get people to laugh at with her and not at her. Yep. And if you've never she, seen it, don't spoil it because it's it's actually quite funny. Yeah. Um, and then she meets Omar Sharif. Yep. And what a babe! All of a sudden, her drive to be a Ziegfeld Folly girl goes out the window. Yes and yes and no because they meet each they don't they don't meet each other when she's a Ziegfeld girl. They meet each other before that. Right. And he helps her like continue on the path of this dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, so it's only once she's achieved the stardom do, and like does this tour, then, then it because then it becomes more about, I'm, I'm more interested in you than, being a girl, but even even all through their um, even all through their relationship, she's still on stage. She's still doing stuff. Um, so he Not, does, yeah. There's a big Swan Lake sequence when they when they're together. Right, but that's after that's after he loses a bunch of money, and she essentially has to go back to work. Is that yes? Is that the scene after yes. that? Yes, because that's her. That's like her show back, and he's like, oh, it's her opening night, and he's not there. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, so, like, she goes back to it out of necessity. You don't think she goes back to it because she wants it at the I same time? I think she time? does. But at the same time, like, she's going back out of necessity. Like, t- to that point, she was fine with being Mister uh, Mrs. Armenstein. Right. You're, you're right. Because they do this. She does this whole big thing that don't rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to live life. All right. Yeah. So that whole thing is her being like, I'm going to abandon my job. To go be with this guy, right? Because that's I what love the whole him. right. Because that's what the whole song's about. But it's weird. Like, so at the beginning of the movie, you have this person who's trying to not be the typical 
girl. Yep. And she kind of falls into it. Right. But she but by but the the point of that by her being the typical girl um she she learns that there is no such thing right. and she's blind to the reality of her situation. So yeah. so it's it's the lesson she actually needed to learn to become a wholly well-rounded person by the end of the film. Yeah. If she's wholly well-rounded by the beginning of it, she has no arc. She has nowhere to go. Yeah, and at the beginning she's just very she she's very um she always has like a snarky comment or sarcastic comment. Sure. She's very, you know, she's very not combative. Um, she's got a wall up. She's got a wall. And, like, she's always, she, you know, she always has to have the last word. Yep. You know, and I, thank God we don't know anyone like that. You know. I don't know anybody like no. that. As, why, why are you looking at me? <laughs> I'm not looking at you. This is my last word. <laughs> Um, there, see, there you go yeah. again. You gotta, yep. you gotta speak get, more. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Aside from that, um, one of the a few of the things that I that was an excellent point you just I made. thought so. <laughs> a few of the things that I really loved in this movie, like flat out more than, and I will tell you this right now, more than any other movie in this this year, I loved the lighting, mm-hmm. the oh, costumes, yeah. okay, and the settings. Okay, uh, did you know that? Did you know those theater those those theaters that they were those were sets. Those were not. They didn't film in real theaters. They built theaters. See, and I actually have a note here that says a lot of the, a lot of the surroundings. Yep. A lot of like the uh, the rooms or whatever you know locations that they're in, feel like a constructed set for a play. Okay. Um, when they're outside, when they're outside in the alleyway in the street, mm-hmm. and everything's kind of closed in tight. Yep. You know, it just feels like stage setting. Sure. Even to the point where, like, the random neighbor just pops out of the window at like the perfect second. Yeah, I think that is a play on. I think that, I think that is a play on, um, um. Like old Hollywood, like singing in the rain, like old Hollywood right. musicals, though. So, like, because it's kind of breaking, it's a bit of like it's breaking those boundaries of Hollywood musicals just a bit. Yeah. Because, like, it's not just they ended up together, the end, you yeah. know, it's also about the journey afterwards. Yeah. And so, like, the reality of life and marriage after. So, I, like, I, it's, I think it's supposed to feel that way. Yeah. I also kind of like how they use the space and the sets to kind of at least twice that I saw that I could, that made me think of it instantly um, to show the progression of their relationship. So at the beginning, she takes them to this party, you know, they're, they're having a conversation out in that alleyway and mm-hmm. it's very closed in. Like they're, they're getting very close to each other. And then towards the middle part of the film, when, you know, he loses all the money Yep, and he doesn't show up for her opening night. Mm-hmm. Like she's on the couch in their in their apartment, and he comes in. He the comes window, in through the which door. Is very weird. Huh? Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> he came in through the window. <laughs> he comes in through the door, but there's such a distance between where they where they are 
that it kind of reflects where they're heading in the relationship. Oh, well done. And like as the scene goes on, he obviously walks closer to her as they're talking because it would just look weird if he stayed that far away. Yep. But they do that a couple of times using that room for the expanse. Oh, good eye. I thought so. Well, well noticed. What did you think of the uh, the music in this film? Because this is a musical. It is, but I this is a musical in a lot of the in a lot of the ways. Like it has a few musical parts. Sure, like um, "Don't Rain on My Parade" and like maybe one or two other songs that are sung off stage. A lot of the music is being done on stage when she's performing in the Follies or when she's trying out for the Follies. That's right. Um, but I don't think, for the most part, I don't think the music ever progresses the narrative. No, it's it's of that it's of that time in musicals in which m- music, for the most part, doesn't progress a narrative. Right. That's like it, um, it's just the style. Like one the song that she sings uh, when they're walking to her when they're walking to his car. People who need people, like great song. It is a good song. It is a really good song. And I heard it more often than not on the radio. Yep. Because it is a song that you can completely take out of that movie, put on a radio, and it's it just sounds like a top 40 hit. Like, it doesn't sound like this should be in a in a musical at all. Oh, sure. Um, um, yeah, but that, like, again, that's the style of... That's the style of musicals right, uh, I, of this time. I don't know if you can fault them for that because oh, then you'd have to you'd have to fault every musical of that era to do that well this is the first one that we're doing so maybe i will for all of them who knows yeah um but so like but you're you're saying that you, you don't like it because it doesn't advance the plot i mean it does it's character driven in some way so yeah. you, like it does it's not advancing the story but you're thinking of you're thinking of musicals like Les Mis or Phantom or whatever where right. it's all recitative so even the even the it's an operetta so the the even even the dialogue is a song that's that that is driving the plot that's not how most musicals work um and so and it's not really something musicals do for i mean cuz like we're going to get to like the sound of music and you're going to fault the sound of music for the same thing maybe you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just that's just it also the way depends it on was. the song. Like I said, like people who need people. To it's me, just called people, just so you know. All right. Well, I know you yeah. mean though. Um, but like to me, that song doesn't do anything in this movie. Oh no, I, I agree with you. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I agree with you that it doesn't advance the plot, but because um, you're a big, you like musicals. You're I do. A musical I love musicals. Guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's also about. It it does technically advance the plot in some way because you're setting up character relationships, like okay. something like people or "Don't Rain on My Parade" is like done as she's yeah as like, she's moving. "Don't Rain on My Parade" I think does like it it does what it's supposed to. Okay, um, but I but there's not enough of that in this movie for me. Um, okay, yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um. Now, because it's a musical, we got to talk about the way like those everything's kind of filmed and, and shot. So, mm-hmm. like for cinema, so cinematography is is good, is great, is not okay. Um, I I think it, I think it was shot really well. Yeah. Um, I think it was edited really well together yeah. with with uh, with everything. I I don't think it would have. 
if the editing wasn't as strong as it was, I don't think the cinematography would have worked the same way. Mm-hmm. That's my... Uh, no, I completely agree. I think I think the strength of this movie lies in all of the production. Yeah. Like, any, any ounce of the production, save music, acting, writing, just like the visual mm-hmm. aspects of the production all works so well in this, even down to the lighting. Like, there's times that the lighting looks natural yep like they're outside at night they're lit kind of they're they're lit well but the lighting kind of looks like it could actually be outside at night because not the entire thing is not the scene is flooded with light sure can i give you can i give you a lighting lesson yeah since we're talking about lighting so very basically uh very basic there are three types of lighting there is something called three-point lighting uh, which is what most things are are filmed with. That it's given it's given the most natural look. Mm-hmm. I guess like we're in a room kind of lighting, right? And ju- and so the the lights are just set up in, at three different points with three di- like some are cover some lights are covered, some are not to give you some contrast. Mm-hmm. And then there's high key lighting, which is like you're outside, everything is lit. There's no shadows. There's nothing. And then there's low key lighting, which is contrast and shadows right. and all that stuff those are the three basic those are the three basic ones so you're saying that it's a benefit that most of this looks like it's filmed at the time of it, the time of day is appropriate for when it was filmed yes um or for what it looks like so it's a lot of it's a lot of three-point lighting it's a lot of could be using they could be using natural light well sound stages are probably and not. some low-key lighting like the stuff outside at night mm-hmm. is definitely low-key lighting and it's just it's just done so well. That's good. That's a that's an excellent observation. I think this movie. I think this movie works because of Streisand. And if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Barbara, then mm. I don't think it would work as well. Okay. I think I think she is. I mean, she's Barbara Streisand, and people can say that all they want. But yeah. I think you need to. If you don't, if you don't see her and stuff, or you don't see her perform or whatever, like you might not get it. Mm-hmm. But like, Funny Girl is a perfect example of watching watching a kind of like a master work yeah the scene uh and and so i think in the hands of somebody less talented than barbara streisand it's not as it's not as good yeah um i think i think some of like some of it could fall flat without the bombastic subtlety she she brings if that makes sense okay um she won best actress for this um for this role Mm. okay Uh, um, but there's a there's a twist that's coming up later about that. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Then there's um, a twist. Unless it's Oliver. There's a twist. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Yep. Romeo and Juliet, directed by Franco Zeffirelli, starring Leonard Whitney, Olivia Hussey, John McInerney, Milo O'Shea, and Michael York, who you might know as Austin Powers' boss from Austin Powers. He was Mercutio, right? No, he was Tybalt. Oh, he was Tybalt. Yeah, um, you know, just it is shit, Austin. You know, that, he's that <laughs> he's that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Basil Exposition. That's his name. <laughs> um, written by Shakespeare. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love jokes. Um, it was also it was also adapted for the screen by Franco Busati, Masalino di Americo, and Franco Zeffirelli. Mm-hmm. So, um, look. It's the story of Romeo and Juliet. They don't play around with it. It's Romeo and Juliet. I don't yeah. feel like we need to dive into the story that much. No, no, not at all. No. Um, I also like the fact that we watch this 
a couple weeks after we just saw like him writing it. Oh yeah, that's so true. Yeah, like yeah. That that, and we're gonna see it live in a couple of weeks. Yes. Wow, it's the summer of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> apparently, it is the greatest love story of all time. That's right. As long as you don't look too closely. At as long it. as you don't look too closely and realize it's really just about two idiot kids that yeah. are infatuated with one another and get some yeah. people killed. Because like, of oh it. no, you got it's great. You got exiled, but we're married. What are we gonna do? Well, you could come with me to Mantua. No, no. No, I'm gonna. We're gonna get this. We're gonna get this really, really convoluted plot of me looking like I'm dead, and then I will go with you to Mantua. Yeah, it's funny because this, the show itself, really hinges on whether you believe that these two kids are in love with one another or not. Oh, absolutely. Like if if they don't have chemistry, oh yeah, it's dead. Yeah, it's dead because then you start to see the pieces crumble around you. Of well, you know, but you also, I think it's also important to remember. Um, when I, I when I used to teach Romeo and Juliet, um, uh, because I'm a teacher, um, I just teach it to random people on the sidewalk. <laughs> Come listen to Romeo and Juliet. You have those people in like New York and Boston that um, are on the street corners, like you know, you're all going to hell. You know, oh, save yeah. the whales, and you're just there teaching Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen, my children, you will hear the st- the grand story of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I thought it was going to be about Paul Revere, but it wasn't. Um, <laughs> Romeo I, and Juliet and the Midnight Ride. Yeah, I, I don't That's know how to That's the middle of the show. <laughs> um, so, um, so, um, so, so I, anyway, when I used to teach it, I used to say, like, look, if it, we think of, one, we use the word love very haphazardly. In the 21st century, mm-hmm. you know, we love everything. You know, yeah. oh, I love that lamp. It'll look great in a room. Right. Do you love the lamp or are you just saying you love the lamp? You I know? have strong emotional feelings, feelings about, about that, that lamp. lamp. Right. Um, and so we're, we're, we willy-nilly throw it about. But it's also important to remember what it's like being a teenager and how strong your emotions are. Right. And, like, and how you misconstrue them very quickly because right. – they see each other and dance with one another at a party and they're like it's instant it's instant yeah. love like, like we're going to be you, together forever right you can point. instantly be attracted to one another certainly and you can definitely be infatuated but they're confusing their infatuation with love yeah. but the real love of the story is the mending of families like it takes the death of these two lovers these mm-hmm. two kids to bring two families together to, yeah. or warring to you know that's the whole kind of the point so when people say it's the greatest love story ever told they kind of think of it in terms of just romeo and juliet but it's really about like the love of family and what families like subconsciously or consciously do for one another yeah you know out of out of love and what ac- those actions bring yeah so great um, you sucked the romance out of it i did i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i'm All sorry right, so um Let's start since, you know, you have to believe these two people are in love with with them. Like, how do you think their chemistry is? I think they have great chemistry. Yeah. I think I think Olivia Hussey is great. I don't think that Leonard uh, Whitney is as good as she is. Oh, absolutely. I think the two best people in this movie are Olivia Hussey and the prince. The prince? Yes. Why? I mean, the prince doesn't have a lot of lines, but he delivers them well. Like, I, like, okay. The spotlight's on you. Don't screw this up, and he and he nails his lines. Okay, that's and interesting. I, and I don't think there's a lot of people in this movie that don't nail their lines. So I have the opposite of reaction to this. I think this is like, I think it's a masterclass of 
of Shakespeare of Shakespearean acting. Really? Yeah. I think that I think that they're great. And here here's my barometer for that. I'm not a Shakespearean actor and so well, I but am. I no, you're not. Um I just <laughs> acting hand in the air. Um I think I think that the mark of a of a really good Shakespearean actor is to let the audience member to make the audience member connect with you and understand your motivations and your wants and your needs without fully understanding the without fully understanding the words that are coming out of your mouth. Okay. Because unless you unless you're a scholar, it's it's really hard to follow every single word of every single play. So as your job as an actor, a Shakespearean actor, I guess any actor is to make sure that your your audience connects with you in a way that can actually transcend what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, and I think I think most of the people in this movie do it really well. I think there's some overacting. I think um, but oh, oh yeah. But I think but that's also that's also typical. So, uh, that's also typical yeah. of one the time period that this is that this is filmed in um and and to um the age group in which we're dealing with because these are all really young actors yeah i mean Olivia, she was 15 you know yeah she was actually she's been one of the few people to play juliet that's on par with the age yep um it, it's funny you mentioned overacting because one of the things one of the things that i had thought about watching this movie was the scene where romeo gets exiled and we cut to the, we cut to the, um, uh, the friar, friar Lawrence, I believe is his name. Yes, uh, and he's Not on friar tuck. Yeah, I can tell you he's that. on the ground, like kicking and screaming, crying right. while being, being uh, exiled. And the nurse comes in and, and is like, um, "Can can you kind of be a man?" Yeah, <laughs> it is fantastic. And like two minutes, two minutes before that, the nurse was just like. Throwing everything off a of bureau is like, oh, Tybalt. Yep. Um, that is, that's, like I said, typical of, it's typical of the time to overact, but it's also, it's just the style that was in vogue of acting at time. But I think I've, I've seen a lot of Shakespeare with people overacting. Yeah. You know, it's just. It's, it's, kind of, it's easy to do. I think so. Especially um, on a stage play where you have to like emote a lot. Right, because you need the audience. If they're not going to get the words, they have to get what you're upset about. Right, so you have to you have to give it to them. Um, so, a, one interesting note that kind of affects this movie for me um, is Olivia Hussey has said that um, the cameras that they use to film, and I forgot the actual brand name of the cameras, mm-hmm. but the cameras that they use to film made so much noise that everyone actually had to redub their dialogue. Really? And that is why, like, there's a very distinct sound to the dialogue in this movie. Yep. And it doesn't yeah, sound... Yeah, you can hear it. Yeah, like, yeah. it doesn't sound live. And at times, it doesn't oh, even seem yeah. like they're acting off of one another. And I think that was my biggest problem with this movie. Oh, what an interesting what an interesting observation. Um, I... I I'd have to almost rewatch it knowing that. Yeah. Um, and see, I knew that going in, so that might be why we're so different. We are in an era of Hollywood in which ADR for the whole movie is, you know, like 
up right. like audio like putting in your lines afterwards redubbing yourself is very popular it's in vogue so i think we're going to be we're going to be seeing a lot of it when we're in this yeah. when there is time i don't like it i think it's terrible but if the cameras are that loud i guess it it kind of makes sense exactly and like and like you said like you have to buy their chemistry together this is a movie that aside from that like people need to act off of each other and there are times where it sounds like their emotions delivering some lines are just like all right this is this scene and go like they're just mm. in a room in a recording booth recording their lines and that was my biggest that's my biggest problem with this movie um, aside from like some little things like in the third act when they're coming back from Mantua yep, uh, and the horses just seem to appear out of nowhere when they're riding towards the, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's some sound problems in the, in the crypt. Um, but I mean, other than that, like the, the, the clothing and the sets weren't great. Uh, I think this movie, this movie won for best costumes. <laughs> oh, that's that's an entirely different podcast. That's my that's my costumes with Palmer podcast. Yeah. Um, spoiler: that doesn't win either. This movie won best costumes and best cinematography. Wow. Yeah, which I think it definitely deserves its best cinematography award. And most of these sets, um, it was filmed a lot. Most of the film was filmed in Italy. Yeah. Um, as you I, you can clearly tell, I can yeah the setting I can clearly tell just like there's a lot of there's times that, like there's a bunch of haziness um explain um because it's because the sun's out kind of but it between like, that and the dust kind of yeah, yeah like, i understand what you like mean. nowadays you can kind of get rid of it with with computers yeah you can't do that in 1968 yeah, yeah so at times like it's just it just seems weird mm. um what do you so what are your problems with the costumes? Because I think they were they were gorgeous. I just felt they were bland. See, I had they're very pro- muted colors. I had that problem. What? What are you talking about? They're very muted. The, two, the, the first two costumes we see of spoke, people with spoken lines at the beginning of the show, they're wearing red and yellow costumes. But they're not like bright red and yellow. You watched on a weird TV. I want over the top. They were over the top. You watched on a really weird TV. Also, I I will I will point out one thing. When we first see Juliet. Yep. Um, and she has her hair all done up. Yep, she got her hair did. Never use that term. Yeah. I'm um, using it ironically. <laughs> um, her hair looks 100% fake. There's even a point where like the nurse touches her head and the hair just kind of moves in a way like you would touch like a circle, uh, like a, a piece of a rubber circle. Sure. Um, and like you cannot pick out one individual strand of her hair. It's very not, plastered down. Though yeah. she, Olivia Hussey, had a lot of hair. Oh, she had gorgeous hair. Like the yeah. the time, like any time after that scene, I just love her hair. But like that scene, I'm mm. just like, is she wearing something? Like, is she wearing a hat around her head? Like, it just for some reason the hair know. looked weird. I feel like you're nitpicking a little, but I understand. These are the best pictures. I have to nitpick now. Now is this is this because your favorite? Romeo and Juliet film is Baz Luhrmann's with Claire to be fair, and those Leo. are the only two I've seen okay um, um, but yes I really I do really love the Baz Luhrmann because, version because I don't really care for that version at all that being said I haven't, se- I haven't seen it since I was a teenager mm. so, so we're talking 15 plus years ago yeah that I haven't seen that film so 
like maybe my tastes have changed, but then I didn't care for it. I think I I think it also hurts that Ben Affleck did not play Mercutio. No, he didn't. Though I really liked Mercutio Mercutio in this film. I did. To be fair, I don't like the one in the Boz Lerman version either. Yeah, I think there's a middle ground that these two need to come to to, to, come together. Slightly likable and not a ham. Yeah, but he is a ham. That's why Ben Affleck plays him in that movie (laughs) because that guy because the guy he plays in that movie is a ham. Yes, it has to. The show has to be called Mercutio for him to agree to play the part Mercutio. Like, um, so anyway, so that's Romeo and Juliet. Let's move on to Rachel, comma Rachel, Rachel, comma Rachel. Directorial debut of Paul Newman, starring yeah. Joanne Woodward, James Olsen, not the photographer from Superman. We don't know. I'm pretty. I hope it's not him. Was he a cinematographer? A person. Kate Harrington and Estelle. Parsons, written by Stuart Stern. I'll be damned. This movie had a writer. This movie was a thing that we watched <laughs> separately, but now we have to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so, I can... This is... All right, so... What's the story of Rachel Rachel? Go ahead. Yeah, tell me Tell it's, me this story. This is, one, this, is woman named, this is a woman named Rachel, and she is a very reclusive middle-aged teacher. Um, teacher and the whole Infant. movie is about her coming out of her shell or attempting to come out of her shell and what transpires in that coming out is like probably some of the worst stuff that will ever happen to her because she is doing her best to just be strong and independent and she kind of makes all of these weird and wrong decisions in the process of becoming in process of becoming independent she's it almost reflects like what a teenager would do right. to like to become independent but because she's so much older it feels weird and wrong to watch her like do these things like she still lives at home like she still lives at home and she takes care of her mom and then like, she chooses the wrong boy and yeah. it's like all this all this stuff that like if she goes out and she's going to be out past 10 o'clock, she's got to call home. Right. So it feels like you're watching a movie about a 15 year old, but you're actually watching a movie about a, how old do you say? She is like 35, uh, she's 35. 40, she's 35. But so like she's 20 years, she's 20 years too late. Right. For like what she's doing and, and what she ends up going through. And I really didn't like this movie at yeah. all. She's 20 years too late to to go through the rebellious teen years and 20 years too early to go through a midlife crisis. Right, exactly. So she's just sitting in this weird zone where I'm like, you're just, what are you, what are you doing, Rachel? Yeah. Um, so really all I have written down is that this movie is about, is pretty much a slice of life crowning achievement in mediocrity. Um, I I think I think that Joanne Woodward is is good. Don't get. I think she's I think she's good in this film. She's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen anybody do in my entire life. Um, but I think she's. I think she's. I think she's good. Um, um, I think she's able to convey. I think she's definitely. I mean, you definitely know what she's thinking right. without without her saying anything she's she's really able to convey a lot of emotion without saying anything which yeah. is good because that's the character she's very she's kind of reclusive she's mm-hmm. shy um but but i don't find her ultimately i don't really find her likable right and i don't find anybody else in the film likable either no except the end I do like the end when she tells off her mother that's probably the only thing that I was really like 
Yes. Yeah. Good. But I don't. But I like. I didn't even feel like their relationship was like clash worthy enough in a way. And so I. I, So by the end of it, I just was kind of like, oh, this is. Is there? Are you? This is the longest ninety minute movie ever. It was only ninety minutes, and it felt longer than the two and a half hour Oliver that I watched. To be fair, it was was actually like a hundred minutes. It's an hour and forty. Yeah, but still, come on. It's basically um, 90 minutes. Yeah, no, I. This, you're right. This is the longest 90-minute movie in my life. And my biggest thing is, like, I look at I look at my scores for the various categories that, we gra- that I grade on. Yeah. And this movie doesn't really do anything badly. But no. it doesn't do anything good. I, that's a, it's, it's very... There it is. Yep. And so that's when you said, so, like, this is... It, it got nominated because of Paul Newman. Yes, there's... Um, if you go on the IMDb page, this movie, uh, Paul Newman is pretty much attributed to this movie getting nominated over 2001 A Space Odyssey, Planet of the Apes um, wow. producers. Like, he he was just coming off of the previous year of Cool Hand Luke. Yep. And he lobbied hard for this. And this is one of the instances in which, like, there's sometimes, like, people don't like the Academy Awards, because of the lobbying that gets involved in some of these things. Like the mm-hmm. Weinsteins have been notoriously talked about in this regard. Yep. Um, although one of their movies that they did that with, we actually thought was the best picture that year, which was The Reader. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, thank you, Scott, for letting us know that that is a book. The Reader is yes, I yes, want it to is. read. I, I, I yeah. really want to read it. Once you get past that Where's Waldo book. Look. I told you, stop waiting out Where's Waldo, and I'll find him faster. I don't think you will. No. Um, so this movie is just, this movie is about as bland of a movie as you could ever get and get nominated for anything. Mm. Like, you like her performance, and maybe I would too if I felt she had something see, to do. See, I like her performance, but I like every other leading lady's performance from all of these movies better than hers. Yeah. And that includes Nancy from Oliver. Yeah. I mean, she's who's not really a leading lady. Yeah, she's a supporting she, character. She probably d- did the best with what she had, but the fact that she didn't have anything kind of made me just overlook it. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree. Can we go back to Romeo and Juliet for a second? Because, yeah. uh, for a second, because I, for- I wanted to mention the song. Um, what is all you? The, the random, like, 20 minutes of music at uh, the party. Yes. I want to. So, so there were two musicals. The Funny Girl and Oliver yeah. are musicals, and then we get that inserted right into the middle, yeah. and that was one of my favorite songs out of all three musical out of all three of movies I, that did music. I did really like the music, and not just that song, but the music in Romeo and Juliet. I gorgeous, felt it, gorgeous music. I felt it fitted it fit the setting. Yes, I agree. Um, I agree. Well, there's there's a lot of recur- there's a lot of recurring themes lo- known as light motifs. If you're if you're keeping count of the film terms that we say on these on the show, yep. um, there's a, there's a lot of that, and so it's a very it's very um, it's very memorable m- music. I think that way. Yeah. Um, actually, I think across the board, these five films have some of the best music of any of the episodes that we've done so far. Absolutely, and I mean because like. I mean, we're going to get to Lion in the Winter. Mm-hmm. Um, even that, like, I, I felt like the music in that was a little bit better than most of the stuff we've listened to. Yeah, so um, do you have anything else to really say about Rachel, Rachel? 
uh, f- don't watch it. I think we could both agree that this movie was not for us. It might be for somebody else, and I'll say that about yes, almost if any you are, movie. If you are um, related to Paul Newman, <laughs> this is a movie for you. Look, Paul, I really like your salad dressing and your coffee, but <laughs> I got to draw the line Luke, somewhere. <laughs> but I'm this is I'm, I'm not I'm not about this. Yeah, not about this movie. Um, it's just it's just not my kind of film. Yeah. And but on on top of that, so like this episode, I've been going and I've been seeing like what did these what what awards did these films actually win? Right. Did this, this film actually, didn't win anything. Okay, thank God. Yeah, it's did it win a Razzie? I didn't check. Uh, this was before the Razzies. I think this was before sure. the, yeah, yeah, I'm fairly certain. The Razzies, uh, for those of you who don't know, are the awards given out to the movies that sucked the hardest. Yeah, uh, every we're looking year. at you, Halle Berry, Catwoman. She accepted that award. Good she for did. Her. I got to give her credit for that. Yeah. Um, some of the Razzie movies that get nominated are not that bad. Oh yeah, no it it's a, it it's gotten to be a very internet driven yep uh, award thing. So if if the trolls on the internet dislike it, it gets nominated. That's a not a, not a bad way of saying it, but but also a terrible way of saying yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So Lion in the Winter, The Lion in Winter, directed by Anthony Harvey, starring Peter O'Toole, Catherine Hepburn, Anthony Hopkins, John Castle, and Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton? Yeah, he was Philip the Second. Oh. I still say that middle child is Daniel Craig. It does look like him though. <laughs> it really does. Um who oh just um uh Jeffrey. Yeah. Jeffrey, uh whose name I I don't know there if was, I wrote. There down, was actually. two doppelgangers this year, as I've as I pointed out in other episodes. Um he looks like uh Daniel Craig, and then the other doppelganger is to a much lesser extent, um, Benvolio in Romeo and Juliet kind of looks like um, Marius from uh, Les Mis, whose name is escaping me right now. I don't. I, the uh, guy who won uh, uh, the award for acting for Theory of Everything. Oh, um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic, I love fantastic Beasts and yeah. Danish Girl. And- yeah. And if you keep saying movies, you might eventually. Yeah, I I'm blanking. I've been blanking on his name since Romeo and Juliet because I wanted to actually send a picture. Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. He kind of looks like him a bit, um, but this one definitely Daniel Craig. He yeah. Um, that's John Castle and Nigel Terry is Prince John. That's the name yeah. I forgot to write down. Um, okay, so this story is about Henry the Second of England mm-hmm. in 1183 um, around Christmas. It's a very short time frame. This film. And it's like two nights. It's yeah, basically, yeah. and basically, he has three sons. He has Richard, Jeffrey, and John, and he's got to figure out who's going to take the throne when he dies. And his wife, Catherine, has come. And um, is it Catherine? No. Uh, the actress is Catherine. Had, Hepburn. That's Catherine Hepburn. I was like, um, I'm El- pretty Eleanor. Okay. That's I was like, I'm like, I don't think that was. There's a lot of queens and like Queen Catherines. All right. Um, so Eleanor has come and like it's basically because they're not together. It's basically like watching the Lannisters from Game of Thrones be a family for two nights. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's, Thanksgiving at the Lannister house. That's what that, that's basically what we watched without also, the weird incest. I also like that it seems very important that he figures out the line of succession now, even though there's like no visible or ever told sign that he's like dying. Right. It's like you 
might still have 30 years left. Like there's, you're not, you're not coughing. You don't seem sick. Nope. No, he was pretty spry. Yeah. Actually, because the first thing we see him doing is sparring yep. with a broadsword. Um, so, no, he's pretty spry, but he's got to figure it out because someone's going to kill him in his sleep if he doesn't, you know? I mean, to be fair, even this going on makes me want someone to kill him in his sleep. Did you not like? Did you not like Henry? So, my biggest problems with this movie was that's a great that's a great way to start. Yeah, my biggest problems were so at the beginning of the movie, what's going on? Okay, about thirty minutes later, what's going on? And about another thirty minutes later, the four non blonde song just started singing in my head of "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> like this movie. The the uh, writing in this movie and good, bad, or indifferent is like what is like listening to a room full of New York City lawyers talking nonstop. You don't do well with movies about history. I fig- uh, I figured find- this no, out. I loved Shakespeare and love. That's not a movie about history. That's a uh, fa- William that's Shakespeare a, was a, real a historical figure, yeah. but you don't do well with movies about history. You didn't like Elizabeth. That was like um, because I feel like you should always, you should never assume your audience knows what's going on. Um, I I disagree. I disagree with that to an extent. I think you need to. But I always tell people when they're writing. What I always tell my students when they're writing essays, like assume your audience is dumb, but they think they're smart. That's the um, so like. Assume people know, think they know more than they actually do. So right. you have to be, so you have to explain it in a way that doesn't make them feel dumb, but makes them feel like they got it all along, like right. it was their idea. Um, I disagree completely with everything that you just said. I followed this movie from start to finish exactly, and I know jack about Henry the Second. Yeah, but you had Alexa that you could just have her answer any questions you had. I has I asked her one question, and if it was whether Philip II was a good king or not, what was the answer? He was a great king. Okay, he basically made France the he made France instead of a um wait like a rival like modern first world country. Oh, that right, all right, King Philip of France. Because I'm like, wait a second, I. I assume the Richard in this is Richard the Lion. It is Richard the Lion. So, like, so he's the one who's going to be king. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Prince John, yes, is the bad guy from Robin Hood. Oh. That's the family you were watching. Yeah. And now, now reason, every characterization always... you've ever watched of Prince John and Robin Hood now really makes sense. Oh, yeah. Because if you watch them in this movie, you're like, oh, my God, you really were such a little poop. Yeah. Whatever happened to the middle child? <laughs> I don't know what happened to Jeffrey. That's a great question. Um, it, Alexis in the other room, I would yeah. ask her now. It's weird because, like, the the scene at the beginning when he's like, you know, um, John is going to be king and he's going to marry my mistress. Well, yep. I told you it's the Lannisters. Yeah. This is um, this is a weird movie. All right. So what did you like it's, about it's it? History. It's just history. It's not really that. It's right. not really hasn't it didn't deviate that much i will say while the problem i have with the fast the fast paceness of the writing the acting does very well with it i i actually that was my no i think the the acting in this film is beyond brilliant like everybody everybody in this movie is top notch i think nigel terry as john kind of overacts a bit um but given Given his character and who Prince John was, I think it it it, it fits. Yeah. Um, 
but I, but I think everything in this, I think particularly the acting in this movie, especially Catherine Hepburn is like unbelievably. Yeah. There's, um, there's my favorite scene in this and I say scene, but like most of the scenes in this are like 10 to 15 minutes long. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of monologuing. There's a lot of dialogue in each scene. And it fills in the time very well. Yep. Um, so the, well, this uh, Lion Winter was a play. Yeah, and it feels that. Yeah, it, it, the James Goldman wrote the play, but he also wrote the screenplay. So, like, there are scenes in which they're definitely monologuing. Like, uh, Catherine uh, Eleanor has that great scene where she's with her jewelry and she picks up a necklace and she's like, "I'd hang you from my nipples, but it would scare the children." And then she like yeah. throws it down. Like, there's a whole like she's definitely like and, it's definitely a play, right? And the fact that like all these scenes. That net, like in a general movie would take place over like fourteen different places. Yes, are confined to one room for for ten to fifteen minutes at right. a time. Right, you know it. It feels like a play, but um, the conversation of the conversation that goes all over the place uh, between Peter O'Toole and Catherine Hepburn that eventually leads him into like I want a divorce. Yep. Uh, that whole, like, I love that whole scene. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was hard for me to figure out what they were talking about. Cause, sure. Because the biggest problem I have, aside from, like, the, the pace of the dialogue, is the fact, like, everybody has, like, 14 layers of ulterior motives in whatever they're saying. Right. That's what, that's what I loved about it. See, I felt like I like that idea. Sure. But an entire thing around it gets gets grading for me. Oh, sure. Okay. I can understand why you would feel that way. Right. But that's like, I was compelled yeah. instantly, nonstop, but like, through the whole film. But like that scene where he's like, you know, we, you know we're going to get a divorce. And, you know, he's like, the Pope owes me one pontification. Yeah. The, the, this is probably out of... Actually, out of all the films that we've watched so far for this yeah. podcast, I think this is my most quotable film. <laughs> like, there's some, there's, there's some, some quotes. really great. There's yeah. some really, really great stuff in here. Um, and hmm, I think you know what it, it feels like. It has that same kind of intensity that you'd watch in. Well, one for a film for a film that I think that's that's a play and that is made in 1968 it actually has quite a snappy pace to it or like the yeah. dialogue has a snappy pace mm-hmm. to it it's got that um to go up to come to modern times it's got a like a Tarantino score um Sorkin kind of like um where's that we're moving we're mo- like the we're right. mo- our dialogue is moving maybe not as snappy as Sorkin but it, um I could definitely see Tarantino because like if you think of like the opening of Reservoir Dogs and they're all around yeah. the table or interrogation scenes in Inglorious Bastards like it has that kind of feel to it the whole time yeah and I don't and I don't necessarily like Tarantino's style of writing so I can see why like I can see that um connection and seeing like yeah yep. it, it makes sense yeah um but the um to go back to Catherine Hepburn for a second so this was the twist she also won best actress this year it was a tie it was a tie Barbara and Catherine won an award now, for best actress. Both of them won, right? And not just and not just like they announced uh, Barbara Streisand. It was actually Catherine Hepburn. 
No, they both okay. won. Yeah, it was not a La La Land All Moonlight right. scenario. Um, although, actually, the the end of Funny Girl when she's singing that song, um, I can't remember what it's called. Um, it's going to bother me. But this uh, the song she sings at the end of the mm-hmm. movie, to me, felt like I was like, oh, this was this this inspired the end of La La Land. You know what like, I I got the I, I I got it. It was weird. You know what I thought about when she was singing that last song? Yeah. Um, because she's singing it, there's a spotlight on her. Yep. There's a there's a very stark black background. She's wearing black. And she's wearing first, black. It's the first time she doesn't wear bright colors the whole right. film. Right. And yeah. if you really look, like, it looks like she's incomplete because the black is against the black. So all you can really see is, like, her flesh, like, her mm. arms, her face. And it just looks like she's incomplete because she's not with the guy that she loves. Like, she's she obviously still loves him. That's kind of what the song is about. Yeah. And she's she's not able to have both things. As long as he needs me. That's the song, right? Yeah. No, no, it's not. Uh, I think so. No, it's definitely not. Yeah. Um, but, like, she's just very incomplete, and I thought that was just so well done. Oh, uh, yeah. That's good. Good. You were you had your... Uh, you had your... Uh, because um, visually, that movie was awesome. You had your... Um, Analysis specs yeah. on that day, didn't you? Yep, didn't you? Yep, yep. Um, so back to the lion in the winter. It was good. It was like the acting is really good. The music is good, and we've this movie also won best music. Did it? Mm-hmm. Would I? Um, yes. And best writing. I would say that this should win best music because unlike Funny Girl and Oliver, it's what people tend to forget is it's not best music it's best original that's right score mm-hmm. so so obviously stuff like oliver and that can't win right it's it's disc it's discounted because it, right. it came from it came from right. unless you have like the moulin rouge thing where they're like we're gonna make one well that's basically what started like the academy like doing that like they couldn't win for something that was already created so they right. had to create a new song yeah they create one new song it was to like say they that. could win they won best music yeah yeah for that one song <laughs> although we all know it's for the actual other songs right um um i thought that the i thought the cinematography was really strong here considering that it's it's play yeah but i thought it use it utilizes the castle space well, so it gives you this grand scope, but it also shrinks it down all mm-hmm. at the same time. The only hit I have against this film, because it, it's it's almost a perfect film across the board for me, is the costumes. I thought were really bland. Yeah. Um. For like having watched Romeo and Juliet and seeing what was done there, yeah. and then going from going from Romeo and Juliet to um. To these, to these, it was kind of like yeah, like, like Eleanor. At one point, she was like, she was literally just wearing a, she was literally just wearing a, um, like a brown frock, and yeah. I was like, I, and like for I the most, made that for the most part, the king is wearing like a brown potato sack. Yes, he is. Now, part of that is because it's eleven eighty three, and. And you know that's just and there you have to go with the stuff. Yeah, who, who carry knives? That was a great. I loved that. That was a great line. He's got a knife. He's got a knife. Yes, we all have knives. It's eleven eighty three, and we're barbarians. Um, but uh, it just yeah, that wasn't. It just it was kind of missing some kind of elegance or like just kind of detail. I yeah, think like, um, the, like there are times where it doesn't seem like a royal family setting, right? And I yeah, I and that's kind of what lost it for me. Um, I want to go backwards again for a second. I'm doing this a lot. So I sometimes I look up if names seem familiar to me. Yeah. I look up, you know, like costumes or whatever, right, right, right. like what other films that you work on. Romeo and Juliet, 
uh, uh, Danilo Donati worked on your favorite movie of all time. No, Life is Beautiful. But he also do they only have one person in Italy? Also did the costumes for Red Sanja and Flash Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I can't wait to rewatch those movies when those years come up. Somebody in this list also worked on did the costumes for um Princess Bride, but I can't remember Ooh. I can't remember who it was. It might be Lion in Winter or it might be Oliver. I can't I can't remember which one. I could see Oliver. Yeah. Um could be Oliver. Can't remember. Um so hold on. Do you have anything else to say about the Lion in Winter? Um this movie to me like um, makes its bones in the acting uh, and the music. Everything else for me, like the production, I kind of, I, I really dug the production. I didn't really dig the costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, my issues with the writing um, get overcome by the strength of other places. Sure. Okay. So. Hmm. That makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So last film, Oliver. Yes. Oliver. Oliver. Never before has a boy wanted more. Disclaimer. Well, let me tell you. Directed by Carol Reed, uh, written by Lionel Bart and Vernon Harris, starring Mark Lester, Ron Moody, Shani Wallace, and Oliver Reed. And disclaimer. Oliver was one of, and still is, continues to be one of my favorite musicals of all time. Okay. I've seen this movie more times than I can count. Um, I grew up with it. I love it so very dearly. So this is a slightly biased um, review on my part, right. I think. Although I, I watched it, watching it in lieu of these other films, I was able to kind of like keep myself in check for the most yeah, part. And and that's why, like, that's why we when we had talked about this initially, we were like, we want to try and grade these on the same basis. So like we came up with categories and we're like, let's grade it on these to kind of try and take that emotion out. That's right. That's right. Um, do, oh, to go back to Lion and Winter for a second, did you know that there was a remake with Patrick Stewart and Glenn yes. Close? I'd be very interested to see that film now that I've yeah, seen me this too. one. Yeah. There's the also line a must be drawn here. There's <laughs> like no father. There's also a remake of Oliver, I think, with Ben Kingsley. Uh, I have seen that. It's not a musical. Oh, to hell with it then. Yeah. Um, though he's very good as Fagin. Yeah. Um, all right, so Oliver. Um, Charles Dickens. Yep. Oliver Twist, he is an orphan. He runs away from the workhouse. Well, he tries to run away from the workhouse. Which, if getting... that's the workhouses that um, Scrooge was complaining, like people were complaining about in Christmas Carol, I don't see the problem. Um, that's the child orphanage. It's not really the yeah. workhouse. That's not really the same thing. Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Yep. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> um, anyway, um, we can talk about Christmas Carol another Christmas Carol another time. Um, so he Oliver. Uh, tries to escape and he and he gets sold to a funeral parlor. Yep. Um, and then he escapes from that and makes his way to London. Meets the artful Dodger, who takes him to this guy named Fagin, who runs this cabal of child thievery, yeah. um, but also works with this guy named Bill Sykes, who is this very dangerous man who is in a relationship with this woman named Nancy, who is a barkeep of some kind and possibly some other yeah. some some other choice things that she does. Um, and it's about his trying to make his fortune in London, and that's a little Ollie twist. Yeah, um, it's weird that you wouldn't give your child the first name of Artful. 
Yeah. You know, but just so well, it's when your last name is Dodger, you just got to do what you yeah. got to do. Um, I was I was very disappointed. Uh, the one song that I love from this wasn't in the movie. What song? Uh, Why should I worry? That's not from Oliver. It is. It's sung by Artful Dodger. I remember very vividly Billy Joel singing it. Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. That's a terrible joke. No, it's not. It's from Oliver and Company. It's a terrible he joke. He plays Artful Dodger, for the love of God. I've never seen Oliver and Company. How, have you not, how do you love this movie and not have seen Oliver because and Company? Because this movie is all that I need. I don't need to see it acted Oliver out by Oliver is a animals. cat. Yeah, I've never seen it. I know. That's of the 80s Disney movies are the one and early 2000s Disney movies. Those are the two eras that I like I missed and I've never really gone back to. So go back to the go back to the 80s. You can kind of skip the early 2000s. Yeah, so like I've never so like the so like I've never seen Lilo and Stitch mm-hmm. and I've never seen like um Atlantis or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um that one wasn't good. But and I've never seen Black Cauldron or Oliver and Company, and like, I've, yeah. So, fun fact: I'm pretty sure this movie is the first movie to advocate being vegan or vegetarian. Explain um, the scene. Uh, the scene where uh, Oliver gets into trouble at the funeral parlor, and they call over. They call over the guy from the from the orphanage, and he's like, "It's because you fed him meat." He's so rambunctious. <laughs> uh, well, that's because gruel. gruel. I'll give you the recipe. Gruel. He had a great voice. Um, so, fun fact about this film: Artful Dodger. I think his name's Jack Wild. I think that's his, I think mm. that's his real name. Nominated for best supporting actor. Really, the kid. Yeah. I don't. I don't agree with that at all. I think he's good for a kid, but I don't think he's like. Great. He's he's also not like like he gets weird, nominated, like, but Anthony Hopkins doesn't for the Lion in Winter. Yeah. It's weird because like people know people who haven't seen Oliver, people who haven't seen Oliver and Company know the term the Artful Dodger. Sure. So they also know more. Yes. Yeah. Um. So like that person's name transcends this. You might not know where it's from, but you've heard it before. Right. That being said, he doesn't have a lot to do in this. No, but that's the story. That's right. But so, like him getting nominated for best supporting actor and not Fagin. Fagin also got nominated. Oh, did he? Yeah. Did he win? No. My favorite part of this is Fagin. Fagin's the best part of Oliver Twist. That's like he's actually he is actually the best part of. He is the best character. Yep, he is, and in this movie, uh, Ron Moody, yeah, and in this movie, the the two songs that that he's really featured in, pick a pocket or two, yeah, and reviewing the situation. Okay, the three songs he's very uh, vocal in. There's pick a pocket or two, and then there's one so, not too long after that where they're leaving. You know, so long, farewell, love you to think about. Be back. It's called be back soon. Uh, yeah, okay. Very well, the be right. back soon. But like he's he has his umbrella that he's using as a cane, mm-hmm. and then he's using it as a flute, and he's just bouncing all over the place. That song to like, I'm not a huge fan of that song. I like pick a pocket or two better. Did me too. But the choreography. In that song fun, is my favorite. Next fun fact, um, the choreographer for this film got an honorary Oscar for her work on this film. Good. There was no category, but everyone was like, it's too good not to give right. her something. Here you go. Yeah. Because it is, it is the, I think it is the group Hollywood 
it is the Hollywood standard for chorus song choreography. Yeah. It's what people have been trying to emulate in group numbers in movie musicals since then. And I pinpoint you all the way right into 2017 with Beauty and the Beast with Belle. Like, that is, they're trying to emulate that exact Right. With that exact thing for uh, who will buy or consider yourself or whatever. That's yeah, yeah. that's the stuff. And it, I don't think anything ever has ever come close. Like, it's it's incredible yeah. choreography. And it's like, filmed so well. Yeah. Just like th- th- that one song. I just love it so much. I just love the choreography so much. I love his. And his, like, the kids are good. Yeah. But I the kids. like he makes that song. Yes, he does. He I find Fagan really makes that whole show. He makes the movie. Right. Um, like with because he is the most watchable character on that screen. Because he's, he's the most dynamic. Right. I mean, because everybody else for the most part is is pre- they're actually pretty one note characters. Yeah. You know, Nancy's the she's the poor lady with a heart of gold yeah. and the artful Dodgers the scrappy kid and Bill Sykes is the scary bad guy yeah. and like and Oliver Twist is the uh, naive child, you yeah. know, but Fagin is the only one that has like and he needs like pathos. He, he needs to have that personality to be able to attract these ragamuffins into doing what he wants. Agreed. Agreed, because um, he does he does treat them well to an extent. Yeah, my favorite line in this whole movie is "These sausages are moldy. Shut up and drink your gin." Yeah, um, so it was funny because I didn't I didn't think about this when I had said like the two songs he was featured in, but um, his his third song, which is just him reviewing the situation, reviewing the situation where he's like, "All right, I'm gonna go. You know, I'm not gonna be a villain anymore." Although. I wouldn't necessarily call him a villain. Um, yeah. I'm not going to be a villain anymore. I'm going to go off. I'm going to take my stuff that I've hoarded. Yep. And I'm going to go off and live a good life. Mm-hmm. And like whenever he's like whenever he starts going towards the door, he's like, "Well, wait. I think this I is going to happen. Think it out again. Right. Yep. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. I got And then like he makes it out the door. Hello to you, back. magistrate. Oh God. <gasps> I think I better think yeah. it out again. Um. Dear like that is that, that is that just such a good song. Mm-hmm. It is. It's um, a great song. This movie, this movie also won for best music. It's like two separate categories of like the music and the score. Mm-hmm. And so Lion and Winner won for the score and this one for music. Yeah. Um, so that being said, aside from Fagan, um, you might not necessarily like to hear this next part, but I believe this, this movie... And maybe the show, because this is all I really have to go on, definitely suffers from second act problems. Oh, definitely. It like, definitely does. Once Oliver gets picked up by the police, yep. this movie kind of grinds to a halt. Uh, I agree. I think, actually, it's not once he gets picked up by the police. I think it's after his trial. I really like that scene where, like, get him a box or something. And I yeah, like that. Okay. Judgment has already been passed. Yeah. Hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the judge is off. Awesome. Yeah. Um so So yeah, maybe after the trial. I think I think you're right though. I think I think the the dynamic of Nancy, Bill, and Fagan worrying if Oliver is going to like spill right. the beans on them is much less interesting. But I I think it's not after that scene. I think it's after Who Will Buy, because I really like that I really like that song. Um Who Will Buy This Wonderful Feeling. Okay. Right. 
ripe. Strawberries ripe. See, and I felt like after the trial, like there's no real notable songs for a while. Um, well, not the, until like Oliver comes back. There's so after the tr- after that little trial, there's intermission, and then there's who will buy. And then it's reviewing the situation. But that's after Oliver's back. Like Oliver Oh, comes so back like the time gonna... he's at Mr. Brownlow's, yeah. you mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like There's between really that and even there. like that first song, like that first song isn't as good as anything in the first act. Um, You know, I. Food, Glorious Food, um, Boy for Sale. They skipped the funeral parlor song in the film, which is great. That's your funeral. That's your yeah. funeral. Um, I will say Food, Glorious Food. My my problem with that is um, is um, there was uh, there were times like I couldn't understand the children. Well, sure, they have accents and they're kids and they don't they don't have good diction and it's the they sound all have like the same pitch and I think that was it. Like the, they should the, have all the same. They I that, I know what you're saying. That's not the word you want to use though. If everyone had different pitches, they would sound terrible. You want to be on the same pitch. That's the. That's, well, you want to be on the same note. Which you want to be on the same pitch. Believe. Uh, Who's the musician here? I am. No, you're not. You don't know like, that. I know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. You want to be on the same pitch. So, like, I think you might. I think you maybe because they're on the same note and it's there's no there's no dynamic and that's like there's no harmony and that's what's throwing okay, you off. So yeah. So there's no harmony. So it's it's tougher to pick out voices. And if it's difficult to pick out a voice, sometimes you can't pick out the lyrics. And I feel like the lyrics get muddled that's, at times. That's true. But coming from somebody who's had to work with kids and teach them music, you know, they want, just oh horrible. my god, just you just put them on the same note. Oh, I like know. it's it's very difficult. So like they're kids; they're not adults. You're I like I was yeah. in children's choir. Yeah, every time with my mom. Yeah, every yeah. time we tried to you know <laughs> sing well, your mom was like, no. Same note for everybody. Sing. I think you. Mean, I think when you mean sing well, you mean not sing the notes that are written. I, you know, it depends on who you ask. I think. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um. So. So you think this movie? So what about like the sets and the cinematography and like all this other stuff? Because you're talking about story still. I really, the sets are good. I mean, because it, it just looks like London. Sure. So. But I mean, there's no there's, place like London. There's times where it looks like it's it's not shot outdoors, which is weird. Um, and I think my biggest problem with any, I think my biggest problem with any part of the set in that is towards the end when the mob's coming for Bill, and they're like rushing up the stairs to uh, Fagin's house. Yep. And the stairs are like, even though there's been no note of it throughout the entire show, the stairs are like, oh, we're rickety. And we're gonna break. Uh, they're forcefully climbing up. It's a musical, man. Yeah. Like, what do you want? Yeah. Well, uh, like, like just something before that to like show, like, yeah, these steps might not be good. They're pretty rickety stairs. I would not trust running up and down yeah. them. Yeah. Okay. The only person that people only walk up with them one at a time, and the only people to really go up there are kids that weigh a lot less. Um. Fagan, who is a beanpole, yeah. Bill Sykes, who probably walking up on his own, and Nancy, who is also a beanpole. So um, that would. So I'm okay with it. I think, I think the sets are great. Like, yeah, it looks like London, but like, don't forget. So this is the late 1960s, and they built and they built a set that has 
running water flowing through the middle of it, mm-hmm. like with bridge. Like that's that's very impressive. Well, it's mud. No, there's water too because he splashes through it to get. Mm. Bill like splashes through it to get to the bar and whatever else. That mud scene is a different um, area of the compound. Okay. Um, I think that's very impressive. They had fake snow. Like raining down, boy, boy, for sale. Like that's that's fake snow. You can see it on his yeah. feet. Like it doesn't. It but that snow, weird. like that scene, that was actually at some point it was just difficult. Like they just looked like two black blocks walking a, in that. You snow. have a really bad TV. You have a really bad eye. I have a really great TV because I oh. saw everything. Wow. You need a new TV. We're going shopping after this. Okay. Okay. I'm not buying you a TV, to oh, be clear. Well, no. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's. So th- this movie won for choreography, it won best director, it won best sound, it won best score, um, it won best picture, it won best picture. Um, it was nominated for 25 Academy Awards. 25? That's what this thing says. That Maybe is it was wrong just, because there are not 25 categories. Yeah, because I think the record. I think the record got broke this year. For oh, my apologies. 25 nominations for other things total. Yeah. Oh, my apologies. It was actually only nominated for five. Um, um, no, it was nominated for more than that. I can go through all the nominations if you want. Best film editing, best costume design, best cinematography, best writing, best actor in a supporting role, best actor in a leading role, and then it won for best music score of a musical picture, Best sound, best art direction, set direction, best director, best picture. And then the honorary award for right. the choreographer. Um, okay. Yeah. So the Oscar goes to... Rachel, Rachel, obviously. Yeah, I think you're full of it. Uh, no, I give it to Oliver. You still give it to Oliver? I give it to Oliver by one point. Really? Yeah. Funny Girl was a very, very close number two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Oliver is the better overall movie. Okay. Um, it doesn't just rely on a couple things. Yep. Okay. So so my I had a really hard time with this. So apart from Rachel Rachel, this was my favorite year of film watching that we've done so far. Uh, I, me. No, I'm not me. talking about, no, no, not talking know, about you. I'm talking about thinking, me. Um, it's all about you. Yeah. It is all about me right now. Um, so... I liked Funny Girl quite a bit. I didn't like Rachel Rachel. I loved Lion and Winter. I loved Oliver, and I loved Romeo and Juliet. So I had a hard time choosing between Oliver, Romeo, and Juliet and um, Oliver, Romeo, and Juliet and um, um, Lion and Winter. Ultimately, I'm going with Oliver mm-hmm. uh, because I think, like you, I recognize that it's the sum of its parts as opposed to, say, Line the line in winter, which I think was everything except the costumes, just didn't do it for me. Right, but say like the costumes were quite thematic in in this film. Right. You know, the artful Dodger is dressed like a gentleman, mm-hmm. um, and you know, like those colors, he stands out of the crowd in those particular covers. So he's like actually not artful or dodgy at all because right. he stands out like a sore thumb in a crowd. Yeah. Um, Fagin's boots were like little tipped fairy boots and like they like came to a point and they kind of rounded up yep. too. They were great. Like stuff, stuff like that. Um, you know, like the color red for Nancy's dress. So like really tells you maybe a lot about, it tells you a lot about Nancy and her lifestyle and what she's about, but then it kind of like subverts that by her actions. So I actually, so there was 
a, there was a lot of that happening in this film that there wasn't happening in The Lion Winter or in um, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet, I think, came really close because I think everything in it was great. The the music, the acting, the cinematography, the edit, like all of it came together for me so perfectly. However, it's not an original story. It, it, I mean, neither yeah, is Oliver. Oliver. It's an adaptation. Neither is The Lion in Winter. But, but you're taking somebody else's work from hundreds of years ago yeah. and turning into something. So like ultimately like it's almost, it felt almost like cheating in, in that way. You understand what I mean? I, I do kind of agree. Like for me, Romeo and Juliet was third. It wasn't as close as um, funny girl was. Yep. But the biggest thing that Romeo and Juliet had going for it was the writing and it was just Shakespeare. Yeah. I know what you mean by just Shakespeare, but yeah, um, like it's, We've seen it. We've seen Shakespeare before. It's been. It's been. Right. It's been performed for hundreds of yeah. years. Like you're not touching up Shakespeare. You're just like here. Right. You're doing it. And right. so I felt ultimately like it's not original enough to give yeah. it. And Oliver has the music component attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think honestly, I think the movie that actually feels the most modern out of any of them, the one is actually The Lion in Winter. I think that one has a very. It has a modern. It has a it has a modern flow to it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, and so, like, if you're talking about movies that hold up, like by mod- I think Lion in Winter comes as close as you can get. However, I think that in the realm of movie musicals, they're always this length, and they always are kind of really paced this way. Yeah. And so, I wouldn't see Oliver any. And having seen Oliver live multiple times, like the movie is the show with some songs yeah. cut out. I can I can see what you're saying. Like out of all these movies, aside from Romeo and Juliet, out of all these movies, which one can I see being made today? I can see Lion and Winter being made today. Yep. I don't know if I see Oliver getting made today. No, I think it's one of those films. See, I think it's one of those films that they did it. It's good. We don't have to redo it. Oh, I think they should. You think so? Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't mind watching a, a revamp of it, but it Oliver feels like one of those movies that people go, eh, do we really want to remake Sound of Music? Like, or do we... They did? No, they did a live staging of it on NBC that's different. It's different. That doesn't count. Like, let's put millions of dollars into this. So what you're saying is you want them to do the live staging of Oliver because of how soulless they seem to be able to make their musicals. Yes, exactly. Um, I think, no, I think it sits more in that realm of like um, the Wizard of Oz or Gone with the Wind where people yeah. just go, we're not going to touch this. You know, we're not going to remake this one. Right. That's what Oliver feels like to me. Like we can't, like we could do this again, but it might not be as good as the last time we yep. did it. So let's just leave it because even on the music and the choreography and the cinematography, the way that was shot and filmed, like that alone is fine. Yeah. Don't need to touch it. Um, so that's the show. That is. Great. Good job, team. Um, you can rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play and Satchel and Overcast and all the other places that podcasts can be found. Five stars would be very much appreciated. Get the word out there. Please tell your friends. Tweet about it. Facebook about it. Instagram about it, if you will. YouTube about it. Find us. Tell people about us. It'll be very helpful. Um, you can also find other shows under the Thought Bubble audio banner, such as Beer with Geeks and Supergirl TV Talk. There'll be more po- shows probably coming down the pipeline as you and I speak, but not yeah. together. Not together. Um, well, I guess you and I, Palmer, right? And I speak. You can get in contact with Palmer and I on uh, Twitter or Gmail 
at Academy Rewind. Feel free to feel free to let us know what you are thinking about. Tell us tell us if we're right or we're wrong. Some people have been already very kind and gotten in touch with us, which has been fantastic. Um, those are all the things you can also um, you can also be a supporter of Thought Bubble Audio. All of our shows over at Patreon.com. You can you can donate as little as a dollar a month um, with some benefits and perks going all the way up to um, going all the way up the ladder. Uh, you can head over to Patreon.com um, to make sure that we can keep our lights on. You know, actually, because you know when the lights are on, that means we didn't pay the power bill, which means we can't record a podcast. So when you know when the lights are on, that's what it means. When the lights are off, okay. I'm tired. What time is it? Three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. You say <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, well, the day's pretty much done. Yep, but you know what? Speaking of, I think done. They're playing the music off. No, I have so many more people to thank. Nope. Bye. Bye. Bye.